Support for this podcast comes from Smartwater. Want to get a little more from every sip? Smartwater Alkaline doesn't just taste crisp and pure. It's loaded with everything you need to perform at your best, whether you're running marathons or boardroom meetings. Elevate how you hydrate and pick up a Smartwater Alkaline today. To learn more, visit drinksmartwater.com. Welcome, welcome, welcome to the midweek mailbag. Uh, maybe the mid to late week mailbag this week. Uh, but <laughs> we are here. We are ready to answer your Detroit Lions questions. My name is Jeremy Reisman. I am the producer of Pride of Detroit. You can find me at Detroit Online with us as always to answer some of your great questions here is the managing editor of Pride of Detroit is the machine is Eric Schlitt on Twitter. Eric Schlitt is here. What's up, man? <laughs> Uh, you know, if this uh, podcast had a name that wasn't like time designated, it would work a lot better. But mm. uh, we're rolling with what we got. Yeah, we, this is this is going to become the new <laughs> thing. We're going to argue about the title every at the top of every show now. Uh, well, uh, OK, so we are let's set the table here. Um, we are what? Six weeks out from none. Not even that. Less. Five weeks? Is it less than five weeks away or Maybe Ooh. less than six weeks away from. from I, I believe it's one month from today. Yeah, is when fans are going to be in Allen right. Park. That was so. a, that was announced this week. Um, yeah, which is exciting. Uh, Ten yeah. total practices. I think four or five, six of them available to everyone. <laughs> uh, six, six, four, four. Uh, you know, three for. Um, Loyalty members, one for is going to be an invitation, six general public just come and uh, away you go. And that, but the the difference, and I think people need to make sure they're aware of this, is yes. that you you need tickets to get into the 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 Allen Park this year. Uh tickets are free, so it's no big deal, but it's just another nuanced process that someone has to go through in order to get into Allen Park. But they change those every year, but um just you know, make sure you're there ahead. Of, make sure you get it ahead of time. Yeah. And while it's probably frustrating for some fans to have it change every year because they've had ticketed systems before, they've had non-ticketed systems before. I think the yes. reasoning for the ticketed system this year is because they're expecting big crowds. Yeah. Um, boy, it was uh, well, the last time they did tickets was like five years ago or something like that. Something like I want to say maybe six. Um, and I remembered it was it was they were anticipating a bigger crowd and, and uh, it didn't work out as well. I don't, I, I, back then, like six years ago, but um, yeah, I remember he had to jump through some hoops uh, and um, I remember meeting Alex one day ahead of camp, uh, Alex Reno, because um, I happened to have a couple extra free tickets and, and he was, he was, uh, he couldn't get in, and so he, you know, he couldn't get get one of the free tickets that that right. year. And it's it's. I hope it's not as difficult as it was back then. Uh, <laughs> you can transfer like, tickets and all that sort of stuff now, and I yeah. think the technology is maybe caught up to all that stuff than there was. Right. I, I I hope so, because like I had to physically like have the ticket and I had to wait <laughs> for him and pass it to him. And like, yeah, it was a lot trickier. Yeah. Um, but yeah, hopefully, like you said, technology yeah. is the way we go. And uh, and everything yeah. will be smooth. Yeah. Head to the website, the Detroit Lions website, to, for more information there. The tickets aren't available yet, but they will be soon. Um, but let's get to questions here. Uh, we just answered questions that weren't even asked to us, but let's answer some that, that were asked to us. And let's start with our good friend, Zach Snyder. Uh, not that one that you're probably thinking of, um, but be sure to, <laughs> to tweet at him and, and complain about uh, Batman movies. He loves when that happens. Um, he asks, do you think the Lions can gain matchup advantages from two running back sets? Or does a defense automatically counter accounting for Gibbs as a wide receiver with their personnel? I, I do think it's going to be situational. There's going to be teams that every time Gibbs is on the field, they're going to look at it as I need to get a, a defensive back out there. Right? right. We're to the point where they may even be going with lighter boxes against Gibbs when he's on the field, one or two running backs regardless. Right. right. Uh, but there's going to be, there's still going to be teams that are going to, put their heads down and run the playbook the way that they want to do it and not bother adjusting. And, and, and in those situations, I do think the Lions will be able to take advantage uh, with Gibbs and in two back sets. Well, and and the beauty of it is if these teams do counter 
by going later in the box and and add a, another defensive back, well then they're not going to be afraid to run the ball, right? Like no, that's no. that's that's kind of where they want to be is if right. they have Jameer Gibbs out there. And and that's that's kind of the key to all this. They have to establish Jameer Gibbs as a running threat as well so right. that when they do throw out an extra DB, they're like, "All right, let's give it to Gibbs as a as a running back." Um and you know or or give it to Montgomery. Obviously, for we're, we're talking two running backs, so that's Montgomery is probably the other guy that's out there. And so this this is what Jameer Gibbs does. This is this is the advantage that he brings. It's not necessarily that he's a big. I mean, some like you said, it's either way. It's an advantage of the lines. If they put a DB on them, well, then good. You have a lighter box. Run the ball. If if yeah. they don't, and they put a linebacker on them or a safety on them, good. There's a mismatch. So it might not always be that you're getting a mismatch with him as a wide receiver, but either way you are getting an advantage from a two running back set. And so I, I do expect to see more than we've seen of that in some time. Right. Yeah. yeah I, the key is, and I think you, you hit on it was, or is that Gibbs has to show that he can run. Yep. If he can run uh, and, and gain yardage a, as a runner, then teams are going to be in a bind. And that's really what I think is so appealing about him and why they were so aggressive in trying to get him because if you have a true Alvin Kamara type player, which is, I think, what they envision him being, then he's going to have to be able to show he can do he can operate efficiently in both areas. Well, and, and this leads perfectly into our next question here from Brandon Hodges at Brandon Taco asks, what is Gibbs potential between the tackles? We talk a lot about his ability as a pass catcher, but haven't really addressed his ability to hit gaps and break initial contact through an offensive line. Yeah, he, I mean, he's he's better in like an outside zone, but they'll run outside zone. Like okay. the, the, I know we talk about the Lions being a gap system, um, and 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 you see that that power gap and as as kind of their main staple. But there's games when they run just almost all outside zone, like because that's the advantage that they think they can get on that defensive line. And so different defensive line, different defensive fronts are going to present different opportunities for the Lions, and the Lions will adjust. And that's the beauty of having such an athletic, intelligent offensive line. And you are just you're going to follow suit with the running backs in those situations. So I think Gibbs is talented enough to be able to identify holes, spot them, and then be able to hit them. Um, he didn't run a ton of gap, but I think it's in his, his range. Uh, but outside zone was primarily where he found the most success. But that's, again, that's not overly surprising considering the type of back that he is being more speed proficient, uh, a little bit on the smaller side, you know, Right. But compared to Montgomery anyway. Sure. And um, but I think Gibbs is uh I think he's more than capable of of running between the tackles if you set him up properly. Right. And I, I think I think one of Gibbs's most underrated, you know, superpowers is his vision. Um that oh, yeah. that that is where you're and getting... burst. Yeah. Right. And and the vision helps you upgrade from you know, DeAndre Swift, who who didn't always follow his blocks properly. Um, probably that the biggest complaint about Swift was that and and that led to his maybe inability to run between the tackles. And then that burst, while he's not the most physical guy, he's certainly on the smaller side. And I can understand why some people would have concern about him running between the tackles. Um, but like the burst also, if you if you accelerate that fast, arm mm-hmm. tackles aren't gonna cut it no matter how small you are. Right. Yeah. If you, yeah, so if you have the vision and the burst, you're going to get three yards before you're touched, right. especially with an offensive line that is one of the most efficient and giving back space right. before they get touched. So when he the reason he works real well in outside zone is because when he can see the zone and he can hit that zone fast, you, you get the def- defenders moving laterally you end up getting those arm tackles, right? Like you don't get defenders yep. that are that are able to square up. Right. And so that angle, to get him in an angle where he can burst and then allow his vision, and if he can see that hole like he's supposed to, which we've seen him do at Alabama, it just makes it a, a perfect storm and trying to get to him. You, now you're counting on your the outside defensive backs to try and come in, and that sets up play action, right? Yep. Now, you, now you fake an outside zone to him. The defensive backs pinch in, you run the play action, and then you're going to have a gap over the top if, or a safety on a, on a wide receiver, and you're going to get an advantage there. So the, they're set up with their offensive line to yeah. be able to really do so many different things uh, in the running scheme. And I think Johnson's, you know, 
Johnson's smart enough to be able to to understand what his superpowers are amongst right. his skill players. Yeah, and and to be clear, like I don't think either of us are advocating like, oh, so he's going to be perfectly fine between the tackles, so they should put him in short yardage situations. They should put him in in goal line situations. That's he's not going to get a lot of touches like that. Swift never got a lot of touches like that. That you know, if if you're if you're looking at this from a fantasy point of view, yes, Dave Montgomery is going to vulture a lot of touchdowns from him. Yeah. Get used to it. Sorry, I, I I don't have any sympathy for you because touchdowns are touchdowns. I don't care who's getting them. Um, <laughs> but yeah, so but you know, in in kind of a a neutral down, a neutral part of the field, you can absolutely use them as between the t- t- between the tackles runner. Yep. All right. Uh, sticking here with running backs, a very running back heavy mailbag this week. Uh, Cody at Comrade Cody on Twitter asks, "Who do you think will emerge as RB 3 I think for whatever reason. Mm. Uh, Eric, I, th- I feel like this is one of the most like anticipated training camp battles, and and yeah, in terms in terms of like actual play on the field, it probably isn't going to equate to that much, but it's not going to be nothing either. So, so who I guess is your kind of leader out of the gate right now at RB three, and and who are contenders that you think have a legitimate shot at taking it? I think I think all of them yeah. have a have a shot, right? Um, yeah. But when you but the fact is is Reynolds was in that role last year. And so I expect him to be back, right? Jefferson, Jefferson was on the practice squad. Bell was injured and, uh, and Ibrahim, Ibrahim was in uh, college. Right. Mm -hmm. And so can Ibrahim come in and be the guy? Absolutely. He has that skill set. He'll be another year removed from his Achilles. And so that's going to absolutely help him. He just has to show that burst isn't, is still there that he had uh, a couple of years ago. Um, but Reynolds has to be the leader, I think, right now. Jefferson showed some love. They wanted to get Jefferson up last year. They just couldn't. Um, but fact of the matter is, one of the reasons they couldn't get Jefferson up was because Reynolds was there. So right. I give Reynolds a nod now, but I'm not, you know, I'm not writing it in pen on my depth chart. Yeah, and and you never know how much this is necessarily going to matter when it comes to building a roster, but you do have a new running backs coach, right? You have a new guy who might value some things a little differently. Obviously he's not going to be the one making the final decision here, but he's going to provide his own evaluation to, to Brad Holmes. And it might not have been the same that what Deuce Staley would have given him. Now, now by all means, Scotty Montgomery, you know, follows all the same in principles, you know, he's going to value uh, Mm -hmm. a pass blocker. He's going to value physical nature of the position, but you you just kind of have to wonder if, if, you know, if some of the guys that are returning from last year might have to go back out there and re-earn it, right? Um, Craig Reynolds has to go out and impress an, an entirely new guy this year. Same with yeah. um, everyone else that, that that's on the roster now. So um, it's just kind of an interesting thing, but I'm, I'm with you. Like I, I don't really have a strong feeling towards anyone. Like you have to, you have to put Craig Reynolds as RB3 right now, just because he's the incumbent. But I think, I think his grasp on that spot is tenuous at best. I think, I think they could literally go in any direction and I wouldn't be that surprised. I think, I think maybe the most surprising of the bunch would be Mo Ibrahim only because he's new and he has, he's going to, he's going to start at the bottom of the, of the depth chart, right? He's going to enter training camp as the guy with the furthest to climb. Now we've seen players do that. um, But it, it, to me, it's, it's, it's difficult as a running back when you don't have a lot of live reps as a running back. Uh, These these are the guys that I think preseason might matter the most to anyone at all, because you are getting live, tackling reps which you get i don't know i mean how many how many times is mohammed ibrahim going to get tackled in training camp like five but <laughs> not well <laughs> if, if if he tr- if he's using that truck stick maybe um but <laughs> um i yeah it's his his touches are going to be limited I, and I, I i think bell might have a little harder path and yeah. and one of the reasons this is because Bell's, Bell's a downhill runner, which is really what appealed to Deuce Staley. Sure. But Deuce Staley's in Carolina. Right. And his, so his biggest champion is no longer in Allen Park. And sure. so that's that's a little harder for Bell because I think he fit what Deuce Staley wanted in a lot of ways. I don't know if he fits what Scotty Montgomery wants in a lot of ways. And and obviously, um, Ibrahim does because that was a guy that they went after when Scotty was on yep. staff, right? Sure. So, um it's going to be a, a, an interesting competition could be uh, like a last gasp for Jefferson, right? Because for he's sure. now had a couple of years. Yeah. Um, 
injuries hurt him as he looked good as a rookie then injuries hurt him and he didn't never look really the same couldn't get out of the practice squad last year um if if ibrahim is on, nipping on his heels and it's between the and jefferson isn't making a 53 and it's you're looking at the practice squad again you know it, it they may opt for youth right so yeah um we'll see uh special teams will be huge for these guys and uh and 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 we really we'll have to see how the how those guys all kind of play out. We know Reynolds has some uh, he he can play. The other ones we don't know as much about, and so uh, we'll, that'll be a big factor in in that RB three or before role. Yeah, and and we know that Jamar. That's one thing they've been trying to focus on for the past year for Jamar Jefferson as a way to, like you said, crack the the lineup, crack yep. the the active roster, crack, crack the fifty three, and so how he comes out in in late July specifically in that special teams role, I think is going to be key for, for him. And really, like you said, everybody, yeah. uh, but let's move to a non-running back position here. Uh, let's talk about some Iowa Hawkeyes. Uh, Will at 21 William on Twitter asks, which Hawkeye is going to have a larger impact this year, Sam Laporta or Jack Campbell? Um, that's, that's an excellent question. It's, it is, um, it's a really good question. Cause both those guys I have to imagine are going to be featured quite a bit. Yeah. I think Campbell's going to play more, uh, yeah. but I think Laporta will be the one that gets more positive recognition because uh, <laughs> because skill position. Yeah, yeah, uh, <laughs> and, and, and in all honesty, Campbell and I've said this since he, they drafted him. Campbell has one of the hardest jobs on this roster. Yeah. Because he's going to have massive expectations. Yeah. And if he falters, there's going to be a ton of blame thrown his way. And so he might have a game where he plays 60 snaps and 58 of them are, are great. And, and he misses, makes a mistake on two. And the next day, everyone's only going to be talking about those two. Yeah. And that's the nature of being the Mike. Add in a first that he's a first round pick, like fair or not. He's going to be part of the expectations rise. Um, add in the fact that he is the literal center of the defense um, and they have ex- expectations that he's going to be a leader. I, I just think he is going to be under the microscope more than anybody else. And that's hard. That's going to yeah. be real hard for him. Whereas Laporta is just going to be like, hey, here we go. Oh, oh catch. Oh, touchdown. You know what I mean? Like, and it's, yeah. and he's going to have a, He's going. It's going to be hard for him to do much wrong. I mean, like, yeah, if he misses a block, people will forgive it if he catches a touchdown. You know what I mean? Right. I don't know if you get that with uh, with uh, you know Campbell. If like if Campbell makes a sack but then gives up a touchdown, people are going to be more mad he gave up the touchdown. You know what I mean? Like sure. they're going to disregard the sack or the. It's it's just he's going to have a much harder role yeah. for me. Part of that is just the nature of playing defense, right? Like you can only do so much like in order for Jack Campbell to like have a really outstanding season um, by the layperson's eyes, it's turnovers and sacks, right? Which is not necessarily what you're getting him for. You're getting him to right. like stop the run game a little bit. And so you, right. th- you're and because, like you said, he's the centerpiece of that defense. He is so visible. Every single play, yes. he is going to be right there in your camera screen. Like you're going to see him drop into coverage. You're going to see him try to tackle running backs. Like he is right there in the middle. Whereas tight end, you're probably not paying as much attention to until he's right. catching a pass. Even when he's blocking, which I don't really expect Sam Laporta to do a ton of, he'll do some. They, they certainly value it, but like it's mostly going to sure. be catching the ball. And as long as he doesn't drop a ton of passes, he's probably going to be well thought of. The the interesting yeah. thing about this question, though, to me is like. These are two of the hardest positions, I think, to play in your rookie season. Tight end, sure. we, we've we've talked about it a million times, like how many duties a tight end has. They have to know how to run block. They have to know how to pass block. They have to know protection. They have to know route running. They have to know, you know, run schemes and, and basically everything. Like you ask mm-hmm. any tight end and they'll tell you they're the smartest guy on the field because they have to know everything, um, maybe second to the quarterback. Um, same with linebacker, especially if Jack Campbell is a day one starter at Mike, like you think he's going to be. And I think it certainly could be. Um, that's that's a lot of responsibility. You have to be a main communicator. You have to be a guy who, again, knows how to adjust to to, you know, pre-snap motion and and, and all that sort of stuff. And so that all that's going to be swimming in his head while he has to adapt to NFL style players, uh, which is just it's an enormous task for for him. And so I don't know, like I. The question is, 
who will have the larger impact. And I, I still think impact doesn't necessarily say positive or negative to it. And so if we're just talking impact, I think it's your starting Mike linebacker. He is going to have more impact on the game than your tight end because listen, the lines are going to have a lot of receiving options on no matter what ESPN thinks or PFF ranks this team's receiving options and, and skill position players. This is a pretty good set of receivers. And if Laporta gets sure. off to a slow start, I think they're still going to be fine. No, I, I understand that. I understand that argument like completely. Um, but you're going to disagree with me. Let's hear it. No, no, no. no. Okay. But I, I, I think really like if we're looking at a down to down basis, sure. like I think Campbell is going to probably if you ask this question to the coaches. Yeah. They would probably say Campbell because sure. he's going to play. Yeah. He's going to play more. Right. Yeah. But again, if we ask the general perception. Sure. It's going to be Laporta. Uh, everyone's going to say Laporta is the much more impactful player. So the right answer is Jack Campbell. I think the... it's about perspective. It's about what's <laughs> about. It's about perspective, right? Well, the question is who's had a larger impact. Well, I gave you two answers. I gave you two <laughs> different perspectives. You cheated, is what you did. You hedged. No, you hedged no. like I hedge. How dare you? <laughs> no way. I gave. I I provided thorough responses. <laughs> All right, let's take a break while we gather our thoughts uh, about what you just said. Uh, And when we come back, more of your Detroit Lions questions answered right here on the Midweek Mailbag. We will be right back. Support for this podcast comes from Smartwater. Life moves pretty fast. Are you drinking water that can keep up? Smartwater Alkaline has everything you need to stay hydrated, no matter where your day takes you. Whether you're pitching a tent or your next big idea, Smartwater Alkaline can help you perform your best. It delivers a pure, crisp taste that makes it the perfect chaser after a big workout. Elevate how you hydrate and pick up a Smartwater Alkaline today. To learn more, visit drinksmartwater.com. Support for this episode comes from Viator. Sure, a good souvenir is always fun, but it's the experiences that people love the most about traveling. When you get back home, that t-shirt might fade and that snow globe might break, but it's those once in a lifetime memories that will last. Viator is a website and app where you can book travel experiences like architectural sightseeing, snorkeling excursions, sunset cruises, and so much more. With Viator, you can reserve everything from simple tours to thrilling adventures with over 300,000 bookable experiences in 190 countries. Whether you're a foodie, a history buff, or an adrenaline junkie, there's something for everyone. Plus, Viator's travel experiences have millions of real traveler reviews, so you can have the information you need to book the best activities for your trip. When you book a travel experience with Viator, there's always flexibility and support with free cancellation, payment options, and 24-7 service. Make memories that will last forever with Viator. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. One app, over 300,000 travel experiences you'll remember. Do more with Viator. And we're back here on the Midweek Mailbag answering your questions here. Live on twitch.tv slash Pride of Detroit. We also do a bunch of questions in between breaks. So if if this isn't enough, if you require more midweek mailbag, I suggest joining us live. We typically go Wednesdays afternoons around 1230, but always check our Twitter account uh, for schedule changes. Um, we and, and you can always uh, send in questions via Twitter as well. Hashtag SPOD if you have any questions. Um, we're going to take this one from Twitter. Uh, this one comes from Oaxaca Lions fan. Lions fans Oaxaca uh, is the Twitter name. Uh, Ask what starting jobs are on the line in training camp and how do you handicap each of those competitions? Oh boy. Um, So just starting jobs. There's probably not a ton. There's not right. Um, I guess you could do you. uh, Let me start with this one. Do you think right guard is is a competition or do you think it's Vitae's job? I think it's Vitae's to lose. Yeah. Um, I think Graham will have a shot. Right. Sure. But I think they're going to give Vitae every chance in the world yeah. to, to, to win that job. 
Um, so I don't think right guard is a competition, open competition necessarily right now. Um, Which leaves what? Maybe on why? offense. On offense, you're talking about tight end. Yeah. Um, again, between Laporta and Wright. Yeah. And it, that could just be a, a formality on time, where Wright right. could start the season, and by half, by the second half, like you know, it's probably they 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 switch over to Laporta. Right. And and it's um, tough too because they almost play different positions, right? Like it's right. A, it's a tight end wide versus utilize. a tight end half. Mm-hmm. And um. And they're going to use two. They're going to use them in, in yeah at the same time sometimes. Right. And so, th- I think Wright is going to technically be the starter as the veteran. Right. As far as volume, though, I think they're going to be close. Yeah. Um. I think Marvin will eventually cede his snaps to 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 JMO when he returns, but I I wouldn't call that a competition because JMO suspended. Right. Um. And that's. So that's Probably it. it on offense. Yeah. So there's basically uh, nothing on offense. Yeah. On um, defense, it it's like they're so situational on defense. Yeah. Like you're going, there's going to be times when it's going to be Hutchinson and Romeo on yeah. the field. Right. There's going to be times when it's Hutchinson and Kamitsky, which I think is going to be like their base duo. Yeah. Um. So that rotation of edge guys, I think is also going to be a situational thing where you're the only for surefire starter is Hutchinson. And then the other guy, it might depend on who their opponent is, but I think in their base set, it's going to be Kaminsky, but that may vary. Right. I mean, they like, they like Charles Harris. I I don't want to overlook that quote from, uh, from Dave Correa last week where he's like, this, this defense is going to be much better with a healthy Charles Harris. Yes, certainly. Uh, at linebacker, I think it's a little bit more that this is maybe your first true competition. Sure. Barnes versus Rodriguez versus Jack Campbell. Right. Um, I still think Jack Campbell is going to win that job. Um, I know you aren't as sold on that. I don't know if you ha- are leaning towards Barnes or Malcolm. Um, well, but he, in yeah. essence, it's also kind of. Campbell versus Anzalone, right? It's who do you, it because because you you're expecting Campbell to be that that Mike position. Yeah. Well, then 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 the competition becomes Anzalone versus Barnes versus Rodriguez almost. Well, for me, I think Anzalone is the green dot, and I think he that travels yeah. with him at Mike or Will. Okay. So, I think if Jack Campbell outplays Malcolm or Barnes then you're going to play him with Anzalone and you're going to play Jack at the mic because that's more natural. Whereas I think if Malcolm wins the job, let's say, Anzalone plays the mic. So I do think it's kind of the trio and then whatever. Anzalone's, yeah. But that's that's you assuming that that Anzalone is almost assuredly out at mic. Sure, yeah, based on everything the coaches have said for the last two and a half years. That's where I'm... But but also, let's be fair, Anzalone was... Basically, only taking Mike snaps that we saw in OTAs in minicamp. Yeah, I hear you. I hear you. <laughs> it, he, it, did, it's now, he did. He did alter with Barnes a little bit. Like Barnes had some uh, Mike snaps, but that's because Barnes is capable of doing both right. as well. well. They want they want everyone cross trained. Right. There's no doubt about it. Um, so, but yeah, I, I think I think we can move on to to really yeah. what is the most visible and obvious. And final, final, would, and final <laughs> I guess, yeah, it is the second cornerback job between Emmanuel Mosley and Jerry Jacobs. Yeah. Um, yeah. A lot of that's going to depend on Mosley's health. Right. Um, I think if Mosley can be healthy, he's athletically more talented. And I think that he is also, um, he has a higher upside. Sure. At the same time. Jacobs is massively familiar with the system. And every time Jacobs is counted out, he seems to come out on top. Yep. Uh, and so the coaching staff loves uh, him. And, 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 and he, it's, yeah. So you absolutely can't rule him out. Right. And I, I don't know. I, I don't feel a hundred percent confident that Emmanuel Mosley is going to be ready at the start of training camp. Mm-hmm. And so he's going to have to work his way into the job. If, if I had to guess day one, Jerry Jacobs is going to be in that position and mm-hmm. it's going to take Mosley to win it. And they gave him a lot of money, sure. And we we talked 
to to 49ers writers who who were all over Emmanuel Mosley and said, like, listen, he was on his way to superstardom before his injury. Mm-hmm. All that can be true, but you're coming off an ACL. We we've heard coaches say, like, that first year is not always you're not always yourself. Smooth. And so yeah. um for me, I I would have Jerry Jacobs in that spot to start. If I had to guess right now who's the week one starter, it's probably still Jerry Jacobs. But Emmanuel Mosley, assuming he's healthy, assuming he gets a couple weeks of training camp, he's going to have an opportunity to win it back. And uh, and we'll see if he can. I don't think there's going to be a competition at safety because I think they're very comfortable with the Tracy and Kirby combination. And I know like Gardner Johnson is going to get some snaps at safety, but I also think that when he does get those snaps to safety, it's going to be situational. Tracy needs a breather. Kirby needs to take a a series off for whatever reason. Like most of the time, Gardner Johnson is going to be that primary nickel. And then um, Branch is going to be your wild card. I don't think he's going to have a starting job in any of those spots necessarily. So I don't think there's a true camp battle. So like really tight end, linebacker, outside corner, that's your starting competitions. And that, and I, in in all all honesty, we kind of know where tight end is going. So it might just be those two defensive spots that are really in question. I'm with you there. And I think, I think some might consider defensive tackle, but at the same time, like bugs and sure, Neil are going to get, are going to get your majority of snaps and there'll, there'll be a rotation, whether it's yeah you know, Covington or, or Martin. Martin, obviously. But um, yeah. I think, I think the two starters are pretty much. Yeah. There. A, lo- a lot of the, the battles are really going to be in depth and, and we've talked. Sure. We, we can talk. Ton. We yes. can talk a ton about that, but we, we, we don't have enough yeah. time here. Yeah. Um, right. Well, we're going to write, we're going to write a series on that. That's true. Yeah. So yes, we'll cover that over in July. That's right. Um, sweaty doofus here as we turn to some coordinator talks. As Aaron Glenn attempted to run a more one gapping attack style on the defensive line scheme, when that didn't work, they went back to read and react style. What style do you think gets run this year? Does the D line have the horses now to successfully run an attack style style scheme? What they ended up settling on was like this kind of gap and a half system where they do a little bit of both. Yeah. And um, ideally, they want to be an aggressive defense overall. And in order to be aggressive overall, you need to be able to be a you need to be able to one gap at times or the majority of the time, I guess I should say. So McNeil and Bugs are going to have to be penetrating interior linemen. At the same time, the scheme that the Lions run, they also want them to be able to two gap when they want to blitz their linebackers, or they want their edge guys to be able to two gap when they want to blitz their defensive backs. Right. And so it's going to be a multiple scheme and you're going to see both looks, but at its core, I think they're going to try and be more aggressive when that typically means more one gapping. Yeah. It, it, you know, when you talk to Aaron Glenn, that certainly sounds like what he prefers to be, what he wants to be is he, you know, he he isn't the kind of guy who's going to, you know, stand on his, sit on his hands and, and just wait for things to come to him. I guess the question here is what what do they have now that they were missing last year to be that more aggressive defensive front? Um, is it healthy edge players? Is it a guy like Jack Campbell who can now blitz and and also mm-hmm. run downhill as fast as anyone on the team? Or is it those is it based on the, the play of your defensive tackles because they didn't change a lot there? Mm-hmm. Do they do they suddenly have more confidence in? Isaiah Bugs' ability to one gap. I, I think it's going to be situational still because, like, here's yeah. the thing. you we, They have so many edge guys that I do think they're going to be a lot of situations where they are using Kaminsky or Pascal inside. Yeah. And you're going sure. to see – you're going to see sets where it's Hutchinson, yeah. McNeil, Kaminsky, and then, like, Romeo. Yeah. I mean, like – yeah. Yep. That's a that that is a front that can get penetration, and so that's the beauty of having a, a Kaminsky Pascal guy on that strong side end is it, their ability to kick in 
alleviate some pressure on the interior guys. It all and then having that depth of of edge guy with Romeo and Harris and in uh, in Houston, they can operate more efficiently because of guys like Pascal and and, and Kaminsky. So that's why they brought Kaminsky back, like because he he just makes other people's jobs easier. Yeah. He really yeah. does. Yeah. And, and that's what they want Pascal to be as well. 100%. And so that that kind of key catalyst of those guys, I think will allow them to be more aggressive. But again, I I don't think they're not going to be married to one style. I yeah. think they're going to have that flex. It's kind of think about when we talked earlier in the first segment about offensive line. The offensive line can both gap power and outside zone stretch, right? They can do both, right? And they want that same flexibility on the defensive line as well to be able to both one and two gap in order to match up against the opponent, keep teams on edge and stuff like that. So it's, it's nothing is really clean with this team. We're going to talk base formations as much as we can, but really they have so many matchup pieces that there's, there's going to be a lot of things that they can do. And I think part of the reason they're going to be more versatile this year in years past is that they were kind of, I don't want to say panic mode last year, but they were very much building the airplane while it was in the air type of thing where this team was headed towards historically bad numbers for their defense. So they needed to change something. They needed to whittle it down. They needed to pull it back and make it more simple for all these guys. Yeah. Now all these, like they are returning so many guys on this defense and yes, their defensive back is is completely overturned, but like all the guys on that defensive front are coming back from last year. All the you know, you're, you're adding Jack Campbell to to your linebacking crew, who was also coming back. Everyone's going to be a little bit more comfortable. Everyone's going to be a little bit more understanding of what they want to do, and so mentally they should be in a much better place than they were last year going into last year. And so they should be capable of putting more on their plate. Obviously, you have to wait and see. That's that's all the- theoretical, right? Like another year in the system is something we always use to say like, oh, the defense is going to be better. It's another year in the system. doesn't always work out that way, but theoretically, <laughs> they should be able to have more on their plate this year, which which allows them to be more versatile. Now, to the other side of the ball, offensive coordinator, uh, BK Shakey at, uh, at BK Shakey on Twitter asks, I have faith in this regime, but what happens if the offense struggles? Would Dan be more patient with Ben? Are the expectations for the defense putting Glenn in the hot seat if the defense struggles? All right. So, yeah, let's let's start with the Ben Johnson part. Like, yeah, we've seen him be impatient, maybe not impatient with offensive coordinators, positional coaches in the past. They fired coaches midseason, essentially, or demoted coaches midseason in each of the last two years. So. Mm-hmm. Is there is there any sort of short lease on Ben Johnson? Now, you you kind of already no. answered your no, no. not even no, no question. Here, here's the thing: the the relationship between Campbell and uh, Lynn, they never were really on the same page to begin with, right? right? They tried the mesh; it just never meshed. Ben Johnson and Campbell are on the same page, and so Lynn got fired because they could he couldn't get on the same page with with yeah. Campbell. From what we hear, Aubrey Pleasant wasn't getting in line with the defensive changes. And that is what led to him. So, again, every time these guys get fired, it tends to be because the coaches don't completely line up with the same ideology as the head coach. You don't have any of that. With Ben Johnson, Ben Johnson and, and Campbell are in lockstep. Like, watch them on the sidelines. Watch them on the sidelines of a game. Like these guys. First of all, Ben Johnson is the calmest person I've ever seen on an <laughs> NFL sideline. Like, which is which like, is funny because he is not that way on the practice field at all. No, he is no. a screamer. Oh yes, he gets really <laughs> mad when they mess up. Uh, but <laughs> but when they run those trick plays. And and they cut to the sideline to look at Ben Johnson. Ben He's Johnson's just like, play. oh yeah, 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 already, yeah, like every time. And and it's the same thing with Campbell. He's already like, yeah. oh good, that was a fantastic play to Panay Sewell. What right. a great catch. What are we doing next? Like, and and, and their Corey's, aggressive Corey's list is lines distracted up. by the wave. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> thank thank you, Pat. Um, uh, so. They, him and him and Johnson's Campbell and Johnson's relationship is 
is it would have to have a a big diversion divergence of where they yeah. are now in order for Johnson to be on the hot seat. Right. I, just because they line up so just everywhere. They line and, and, up so well. And they go back in history, right? Like this is not the first oh, time they, they, they trust each other. They built this trust yeah. for a very long time. And so yes. Dan and, and Dan Campbell, that, that Dan Pompey article we talked about, I don't remember if that was during the break or not, but um it also talked about how like this like Dan Campbell has his hands off now. Like he's not yeah he, he's delegating because he trusts Ben Johnson and he's trusted Ben Johnson for a long time. And and we've seen the kind of leash that he's given Aaron Glenn. Like yes. when the defense was at its worst and why? Because he's worked with Aaron Glenn forever because he's built a long that time. Trust. Yep. He yep. has that built in trust. And so you have to imagine his leash for Ben Johnson will be at least as long as his leash was for Aaron Glenn, because there's also proof of concept now. like it worked here. Um, yes. But now let's, let, let's, let's push back to Aaron Glenn here because now mm-hmm. I think a lot of the excuses are gone with Aaron Glenn, right? Like Get I understand. Okay. Uh, I th- I think they're almost all gone at this point. Like okay. I'm not expecting a top 10 unit, but this should be an average unit, right? Because, mm-hmm. because of all the pieces they have in place, because the years that they've put in to develop this scheme and, and get leaders at every, at every level of competition. Mm-hmm. What's, what's the leash now for, for Aaron Glenn? Because that would be a tough one for, and, and I think Dan Kibble's even asked this directly one time, like that would be a tough fire for him. He has a ton of respect for Aaron Glenn. How yeah. bad would it have to be for him to actually consider doing that? Couple of things. One, you also have to have a replacement in mind. Sure. And do you think there is a replacement that is ready to take over midseason? And I don't think it is. Even as much as we love Shep, as yep. much as we love Shep, Pro Shep podcast, he is not ready right now. Sure. I don't think. It's early. I, I think it, yes. Look, th- he's only been coaching in the NFL for two years. You yeah. know what I mean? Like yeah. he's got a bright future. I don't know if he's ready to make play calls right now. Right. Um, so it, it's not just as it's not just as simple as saying, oh, you know, we, they're not meshing. Like if they were to separate, they would separate after the season. Like they wouldn't. I, I couldn't see an in-season firing with Aaron Glenn or Ben Johnson. I just I just don't. The only there. Yeah, I, chat was all over. I was trying to remember his name. Defensive assistant. Sean Fox would would probably be the only guy capable of it. And that would be such a large promotion from where he's at now, because he's just kind of like the, where do you guys need me? I'll help you out. Yeah. I want people to look at John Fox when they see him in training camp, because (laughs) John Fox looks like a retired coach. Like he is, he's, he, he looks older. He is older. And he looks like a guy who's just like, my role in the NFL is just to be an advisor at this point, and I'm cool. I just want – I like to be around the game, and that's kind of what – I don't think John Fox would want any type of responsibility like that. Let me let me play a game with you real quick. Mm. He is entering his blank season as an NFL coach. John Fox? Yeah. 30th? That's impressive. 31st. Yeah. <laughs> 31st. Yeah. So we're talking – we're talking back when the Lions were making the playoffs every every other year is when mm-hmm. he got started in the 90s. Yeah. He's look, he's uh he's he's ready to be done. He's do <laughs> he's doing it cuz he well, yeah. doesn't cuz he, right. he that's likes what, the game, you know? Senior, what I mean? That's what the senior defensive assistant role is. Yes. It's like I'm not yes. ready to retire yet, but I I I'm not I'm not like sleeping in the office. I'm not I'm mm-hmm. not doing that shit anymore. Right. No. No. <laughs> Um, all right. Last question here. Uh, I forgot who asked it here on Twitch. I'm sorry that I didn't write down your name, but the question here is now that we know inside the den will be released in mid July, <laughs> um, which is, uh, probably purposely vague. Um, <laughs> the question is what question do you want answered from inside the den? Try to limit your answer to 100 oh. things. there's there's a hundred things that i want answered yeah and and the the crazy thing is of the hundred things that i want to know the thing that's going to get answered the well no but i bet about i bet a bunch of them get answered Yeah, yeah but but the the thing that's going to impress us the most is something that we're not even thinking about right right sure like like it's gonna like those things are so informative. Like you, yep. you're, you're going to catch things if you watch them more than once. Right. And so 
I, I don't think like I want to know thought process around all their traits, right? I mean, like I just want to hear what's going on. Like, were they really comfortable taking Gibbs at six? That was that was one of mine. I don't. Right? I don't like, think that's one. I don't think we're going to get it. Well, actually, we could get an answer to that one. I think we can. Like, I would for sure. I, I I for sure expect them to to play it out. Like, yeah. Okay, we're comfortable taking this guy, but let's see if we can trade back and gain a little bit more capital. Sure. Um, right. I want to see them, and, and this we probably won't see, but I want to see them go. Let's jump the Packers and get Brian Branch. <laughs> like I want to, like I purposely want to see them be like, "Yeah, get out of your Packers." You know what I mean? Like, yeah. we know they did it. Everyone knows that. Yeah. Right? Like, like, or you know, they jumped New England or whatever, right? Too right. Like, I purposely want to see them, like, target a guy because they're like, "I think this team wants him. Let me just go get him." Right. Or you know, like, we've seen the excitement you know, when they were able to land certain guys and that's going to be fun. Sure. Um, maybe we'll get another shot of, a of, a one of the scouts in the background, like, uh, slowly, like yeah. trying to fist pump is like when Kirby Joseph is all of a sudden is still there and he's just like, right. Like, um, those are going to be fun, but yeah, I, I, I'm, I'm really interested in the trades and how that whole, how that, how the, how that all plays out. Obviously it's going to be skewed in the lion's favor and that's fine because right. it's Kool-Aid time. Time to get that more Kool-Aid. So, uh, and that leads me to the one thing that I want to know that I don't think we're going to see. And that's, I want to see, I want to see the Lions' reaction to Devin Witherspoon getting drafted at five. Oh yeah. Yeah. yeah I don't I, think we're going to well, see that. No, but I, I want to see how, like, were they were they devastated? Did did Brad Holmes do something that we've never seen, which is hit a table mm. out of anger instead of excitement? <laughs> um, I, you know what's interesting to me, though, and, and I, I don't mean to sidetrack you here, but when you look at the Arizona footage yeah, that they released. The trade, trade up. Right. To six. He was talking to Seattle and yeah. Oakland and Detroit. Yep. All at the same time. Now, yeah. what I don't, and then eventually Seattle says we're making the pick. Yep. So what I don't know is, was Brad just doing due diligence? And that's why he was on the call. And he was like, if Witherspoon gets picked, then what are one of my options, which is makes a ton of sense. Yep. Or was it, we're okay if they take Witherspoon. And, you know, I, I know Eric, I know uh, I read all Eric's articles on why they should, we should take him, but I don't, I don't think, uh, but we don't trust Eric Schlitz's opinion enough. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, that, you know, he, he's not employed by us. So, um, but that's what I don't know. Like, was it like truly, oh crap, he's gone. And I, or was he doing due diligence or, or like, yeah, that's I don't think we will get a true answer to that. No, I, I, I think, think you're so. right. The the other thing I, I want to know specifically is Broderick Martin, because that one still kind of sticks out as like. OK, no one had this guy on his rate on the radar, including Broderick Martin himself as a day two <laughs> pick. Um, and I'm so, telling like, you, the trade backs, the trade backs, if they if they show that the trade backs were because they're get, like, we got to get Martin and here's it. But I yeah I I want I want to see I don't know if they met with him at the combine that was always the most interesting thing of of the of the previous behind or inside the den was them meeting mm-hmm. with these players at the combine and kind of getting that in their in in a situation we hadn't seen before. Yeah. I want to see which coach vouched for this guy. I want to mm-hmm. see what play they watched or something or or what meeting they had with Roderick Martin in in any sort of way, whether it's phone, whatever. I want I want to see that moment that that someone was pounding the table for him and, and why, because, mm-hmm. because I mean, like it's, it's, it's maybe one of in a draft full of fascinating picks. That one, I think still remains the one that's like, okay, we, we haven't really uncovered the reason why they, they see so much potential in this guy other than like he's big and got long arms. I wonder who the scout is for him. Cause you think Kentucky and like, so I think that's probably Scott Sika who does, because mm-hmm. he covers the SEC, right? Right. I wonder if there's an overlap with that, because Sika is one of their most seasoned scouts. Right. And someone that they trust a lot because they've used him in a, uh, to identify a lot. Like Gibbs and, um, and Branch would have been in his area. You know right. what I mean? Right. 
uh, Pascal the year before yep. would have been in his area, right? So I wonder if uh, I wonder if he was on Sika's. Uh, I know they cross they cross analyze guys and sure. and, they, and and like they have more that they have. There's multiple layers that go into it, but I wonder I wonder if because Sika's word carries it carries it carries weight, and there's sure. certain like when when a certain guy picks up you know like a certain uh, like. When Lance Newmark, who's one of the higher ups, yep. when he the one that was celebrating yep. when when Kirby was yep. uh, there, he was also the one that was celebrating when Bob Quinn drafted uh, Tracy Walker, right? Mm-hmm. Like That's right. Newmark, so like Newmark is a guy who's gotten into a position of where he is because he's been able to identify some of these like third round like right. like his, his guys that are core part of the team yes and so if if like all of a sudden it's like yeah newmark came to us with this guy i'd be like yep that makes sense that right. makes absolute sense why they drafted him in the yep. third round because again newmark is such a highly respected player voice in in their organization can you tell that we're excited for inside the den <laughs> uh but yeah we're gonna have to wait a couple weeks for that i'm sure we'll have a full podcast devoted just to that um but we're gonna have to close things out here on the midweek mailbag thank you all for joining us uh we will if you didn't get your question answered guess what you still got an opportunity this week we will be live on twitter spaces probably on saturday we haven't uh, locked down a time yet that but probably early in the morning, 9, 10 a.m. Always check our Twitter for updates on our schedule. But for Eric, I'm Jeremy. Thank you all for listening. It's chaos. Support for this podcast comes from Smartwater. Want to get a little more from every sip? Smartwater Alkaline doesn't just taste crisp and pure. It's loaded with everything you need to perform at your best, whether you're running marathons or boardroom meetings. Elevate how you hydrate and pick up a Smartwater Alkaline today. To learn more, visit drinksmartwater.com.